What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassing, and to my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, man. How's it going? You've been a busy weekend, sir. You've been at a couple games. You've been you've been all over the place on social media. Well, you got to slow down a little bit. No, man. It's football <laughs> season, and this week is going to be even better. It's going to be ridiculous, folks. And oh, the NFL starts this week. Now I can care about football again. You've missed out on some incredible action in the FCS. We had a great game last night in the FBS between Virginia Tech and Florida State. Go Tech! Way to go, Hokies, <laughs> on that win. Um, but the FCS. We've got upsets already. We've got intrigue already. We're already talking about teams being done. Like that's how far <laughs> we've right. gone yeah. in this in this whole thing, folks. If you wanted to listen to any of our podcasts, though, though, going all the way back to our previews, so you can figure out, wow, they're an idiot for saying this <laughs> six weeks or six months out. You can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can find us there, and you can listen back to all of our content. Emery's got great content on there as well for the NFL. FBS level. He's got it all on there. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery. Let's get right into it because there is so much to talk about and already some intrigue in the CAA. And we're going to start. I know how you love, <laughs> for whatever reason, you've always had this love affair with the Rhode Island Rams. Try to tell you, man. You are I. Uh, you've been very high on their program. I can tell you someone who now believes you, and that is the University of Delaware, because <laughs> we spent all this time hyping up Udell. Oh, this is going to be the year they're going to come back. They're poised for greatness. They might take the whole conference, and they lose 21-19 to URI in week one. What happened? Well, here's the, something that I've always said. When you see a program that's slowly building toward that breakthrough point, yes, you kind of can see it coming. And, and Rhode Island, when you, yeah, their record may have, not in, have indicated that they were – a good team, but when you look at the scores and you look at how they've played, like, wow, this was a one-possession game. Oh, wow, this was – there were two plays away from winning this game. You saw that with Rhode Island, and Coach Fleming has done a phenomenal job keeping that team together, developing talent that he has been able to bring in, and it just – you knew this was happening. You saw it last year in the opener against Central Michigan. They had that yep. game won. Yep. And now they were able to come in against a team that a lot of people had in the top 15. A lot of people said that were – and again, it's week one. They could still win the conference. They could still get to the playoffs. But when you look at what Rhode Island was able to do on their opening uh, – in their opening game at Delaware, that was a huge win for the program because now these kids – believe that they can go and win every game. They have proven it by beating a team in Delaware that's really good on defense and their defense was able to match their intensity. Offensively, they found enough points to win. So it was just a great win overall for the Rams. And for the for people who are fans of the CAA or follow their programs in that conference, you know how deep this conference is. We saw a team last year in Albany you know, who was pretty nonchalant, pretty mediocre most of the season. They beat UNH in, week, in the final week in a shutout. You know, you have t- these teams all the way down the conference, all the way down to URI, where you can have a problem. And now it looks like it's even becoming more balanced. It's not just, hey, if you're off your game, they're going to beat you. You can play a decent game and still lose. That's what the CAA does. I'm happy for Coach Jim Fleming and that Rhode Island program. Again, I was up there last year. Um, I was up there in a, at Bryant, so I saw kind of the inner workings of both programs. Rhode Island is a basketball school. Yes. And... Yes. You know, you had the Lamar Odom banner, all that good Mm -hmm. stuff going on, right? Right. Uh, But Coach Fleming was hell-bent on making it a football school and guys really believing in the program. It's a small small campus, uh, but a lot of big-time things going on up there. And I'm just happy for them, for Coach, and for those players to to have this breakthrough. Now, they can go and lose the rest of the games, but (laughs) – this was huge for them because I think it's just going to be the springboard for them to be be consistently good in the CAA. Let's stick in the CAA. I hate to say I told you so. Oh, that, that I was waiting. I, as soon as I saw the score, I was like, "Dave is going to be. Dave can't wait to get back in the studio." <laughs> he didn't have to wait. I texted him <laughs> about ten bear emojis. You Maine wins the Bryce Cowell musket for the first time in I believe eight years. They defeat UNH. It wasn't a win over UH. It was a domination of UNH, 35-7 over the number seven team, number seventeen in the polls. 
incredible stuff from UMaine. Obviously, UNH, they lose starting quarterback Trevor Knight. It looks like he's going to be doubtful, by the way, for next week's game against Colgate. That could make things very difficult for them. Uh, suffered an AC sprain. Apparently, it's still in a sling. But UMaine showed up and did an incredible job, and they need to get credit where credit is due. Absolutely, and credit uh, Coach Harasmiak for for getting his team ready to play. And credit to you for getting that name out in the first try. Hey, that's what that's what I do here. <laughs> I bring the balance. Um, but credit Maine. I had issues with Maine's quarterback. I thought that would be the reason why New Hampshire will win because we didn't know what their what, what to expect with right. their passing game. Right. But to lose a guy of the caliber of Trevor Knight, that's huge. And the fact that he is still in the sling. That's tougher for them moving forward. Yes. Um, because you're right, they have a huge game coming up this week against Colgate. So, but Maine w- was able to, to win on defense. Their offense was able to, to capitalize on the good field position, on the added possessions. So, shout out to the Black Bears. And I love seeing parity within a strong lead. It's not that, okay, New Hampshire's now going to fall off the cliff. It's that Maine, Rhode Island have caught up to now it's going to make this thing a legit dogfight from week one all the way to week 15. Yeah, and we talked about Maine, too. They lost Josh Mack, who was the only 1,000-yard rusher in the conference last year. Right. He transferred out. Who? How are they going to replace that? You had two different guys in Joe Fitzpatrick and Ramon Jefferson. Both carried the ball for about 75 yards apiece, about 12 to 15 to 17 carries or so. That's all you need to do. You don't need to have one guy. You can have a whole stable of backs. <laughs> right. That just works. Let's move on to the next game, though. And this was an intriguing one. This is one we had our eye on. Montana State against Western Illinois. Western Illinois, again, one of those teams in the Missouri Valley that you're like, they're right there. They, they should be poised to you know jump up. Montana State, though, they've got a lot of options. And Troy Anderson is a big reason why they win 26-23. Funny because we were talking about the quarterback that uh, – wasn't going to be eligible to play the year. They're starting quarterback. Yeah. And here comes Anderson and picks up right where he left off and was a problem on both ends, running the ball right. and throwing the football. I was more disappointed in how Sean McGuire played yeah. uh, for Western Illinois, the turnovers. Yeah. You know, this is a guy that usually protects the football, and their passing game was was kind of stagnated by the Bobcats' defense. So shout-out to Montana State. Shout-out to them for being able to adjust on the fly. And that was a huge win for the Bobcats because that sets up a big game this weekend Yes, uh, for Montana State. And i got to give a shout-out here. We don't usually do this. Let's have a shout-out to the kickers out there. Tristan Bailey, 4-for-4 four four on field goals from 21, 35, 47, and 50. Wow. For Montana State. That's the win. 50. And 47. That's 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 huge. That's That just got him on NFL radar. Well, you talk about having – you know, strong kicking units. Having a great punter is is great defensive help. Right. Having a great field goal kicker is great offensive help. So you, if you're able to hit 50 yarders in college, you know you're going to be tough to de- defeat. He misses. I mean, he misses those two long ones, which I mean, for even an FBS kicker, top level kicker, those are difficult. 47 and 50. He misses those two. They lose the game. Yep. That's it. So for those who say special teams doesn't matter, and if it does matter, it's only the returners. Watch yourself. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Kickers and punters are huge pieces of offense and defense. So, massive game. Well done, Tristan Bailey. Let's move on to one of the big upsets of the week. Although, maybe it wasn't that big of an upset. UC Davis, 44-38 over San Jose State. But they did it with... They did got a lot of help from Keelan Doss. But he was not exactly the focal point. And that is a dangerous thing for people playing UC Davis down the road. Jake Meyer, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh... I believe it's Jake, right? Yes, it is Jake. So his passing has been underrated. It was underrated last year. This year, now that you know everyone expected Dawes to be the guy, which he is and will be, but the fact that he was able to spread the wealth and throw for over 440 yards in that game, they looked like the FBS team. This is what this yeah. wasn't one of these situations where they were lucky to get a win. Um, we've seen this throughout this weekend where the FCS team looked like the FBS squad. Yeah. You know, this is a game we're going to talk about later uh, that, you know, with Northern Arizona, where that was the case. They were actually favored in that ball game. Right. But UC Davis went out there and took it to San Jose State all game long. You know, I mean, you put up 40 points on an FBS opponent, 
that's a good job by the, by the Aggies. Nine different players with catches. Keelan Dawes had 11 catches, but they still had nine different guys catching the ball. And Yolanzo Gilliam, his first game in college, 23 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Again, UC Davis, you expect the Meyer to Dawes connection. They've got some running game, too, so it'll be interesting to watch that going forward. Shout out to Dan Hawkins, the head coach there, second year at UC Davis. Certainly has got things going in the right direction for UC Davis. Talk about an upset here. The Butler Bulldogs <laughs> defeat Missouri Valley Conference opponent twenty Youngstown State 23-21. The Pioneer League gets a massive, massive boost to their reputation with this win. Will Marty, a great game at the quarterback position. What does this win mean for Butler, but more importantly for Youngstown State? Listen, this was the game that I thought was the biggest upset of the weekend. More so than yeah. Villanova Temple, than A&T East Carolina. Yeah. Any FCS over FBS win, to me, this was the biggest upset. Youngstown State came out and laid a huge egg in this game. <laughs> Against oh well that's fitting because they're the penguins ah you see that right wait do penguins legs yes they do and then they carried them on the feet oh wow I didn't know that there we go you realize sidebar you realize I was in <laughs> I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. when I realized that cats didn't lay eggs because wow. think about it you've always you've saw, admitted that on a national podcast hey you know you gotta be I, I gotta be honest <laughs> with the people. Because we've seen dogs have sex. I've never seen cats have sex. So I just assumed that cats laid eggs. And I was I found out from my English teacher that, no, that's not the case. Anyway. Let's so I'm just saying. Get, let's get back to so, the Penguins and talk about Youngstown State. <laughs> but I look at Butler and I'm thinking, you know, Butler I had as a. Decent as a, team last a, year. And I had them as a middle of the pack team this year. Right. In the Pioneer preseason. This is huge. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how huge is it later in the show. But, man, what a historic win for Butler. This was shocking to me when I saw this score. Yeah. And I saw the F at the end, like, final. I'm like, my goodness, Youngstown State really lost to Butler at home in the opener. Yeah. And, uh, again, quarterback Will Marty, uh, who's from Ohio, by the way. Nice little nice little shot across the bow. This is, this is his third year really in control of the offense. He had part of the control in 2016, got injured, had played all 11 games last year uh, for Butler at the quarterback position, threw for almost 2,200 yards, but he was 25 of 38 for 253. That is very, very precise from the quarterback position, and Pace Temple, by the way, 14 catches for 167. So, if I'm the rest of the Pioneer, I know what the connection is. Well, maybe, but Butler all of a sudden has become a force to be ranking with in the Pioneer League. Let's move on to a couple more games. Let's go to talk about the two games that you were at, and we're going to start with Wagner. They Three on. games I was at this Oh, weekend. excuse me. Three games, but you were working two of them. We'll get yeah. To, we'll get, well, we'll, well get to working them. all of them, actually. Oh, fine. Whatever. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's start with Wagner taking on Bowie State. Obviously, facing off against the lower division for Wagner, but... Again, you can tell some things in week one. What did you like about the Wagner Seahawks in this first game? The running game. And Ryan Foles ran over for, what, 271 yards in that game. <laughs> yeah. And he had two 77-yard touchdown runs, yeah. which is unheard of. But Denzel Knight, and here's the thing. Knight was the running back at one point for Wagner. Right. Foles took his job. Knight is now more of a hybrid running back receiver type. And he had over 100 yards receiving. And he had a 55-yard touchdown pass to open the game with the score, uh, like three plays into the first quarter. And then he had another 45-yard catch and run where he turned back into a running back as, as far as making guys miss. So now they have two backs on the field at the same time. One is going to be a tough matchup for defenders because you can't really cover a back like Knight, who is technically a receiver, he's 6'2", 220. Yeah. Um, and false, you give him a small crease, and he was able to outrun angles to the end zone. I also came away impressed with Amir Hall, the quarterback of Bowie State. Yes. He was a Black College National Player of the Year, and he threw for over 360 yards in his game. But what was impressive was the fact that he wasn't afraid of the step-up and weight class. So he, he acclimated himself well, and he made things very interesting 
uh, in that third quarter when they got within a touchdown of Wagner. But credit coach Jason Hotaling, uh, who was able to galvanize his troops, had these guys focused, ready to play. They started out with a bang. They were able to regroup and finish the job and, and put up 40 points on the Bowie State team that's going to be a factor in the CIAA. So Coach Hotaling did a great job coaching those guys up. False running is going to be a problem for the NEC. Yep. And Knight is going to be Knight, – Knight and Foles are pro prospects, but Knight, to me, because of what he can do as a receiver and having the ability to be a, a running back, that value right there is huge. Definitely value there. Let's move on to the other game you were uh, working this week. Towson against Morgan State. Rivalry game down in the Beltway. Uh, Towson 36-10 over Morgan State. Tom Flacco, though, really stood out. The brother of Joe Flacco, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Transfers in from Western Michigan, makes an immediate impact for Towson. I mean, you saw it on the first play. He was able to scramble for about 15 yards, and his running really opened up their offense because he was also hitting some great passes uh, downfield. It wasn't just dink and dunk screen, swing routes, things like that. He was going downfield, which really weakened Morgan State's defense. On the defensive side for Towson, Monty Finner, the safety, had about three hits where you have I had to remember like okay I'm the broadcast on this game I can't <laughs> openly react to a big stick but he had three of those hits that make you stand up and say man that's how you play safety uh, one was a forced fumble too he hit the dude directly square on the football ball popped out he had a key four down stop so he played well on Morgan State side it was the same issues they had their chances defensively they actually yeah. played in the first half Morgan State played better special teams than Towson, and Towson is touted for their special teams play. Right. It got to the point where Coach Ambrose was pissed at uh, because that's what set up the score. Um, they had a muff punt. Morgan State recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. He took out the punt returner, put Shane Simpson back there, their starting tailback. It was like, all right, just catch the ball. You, you are now the starting for this game at least. And so in, in the second half, Towson got back to playing great special teams. Morgan State still had issues throwing the football, but they do have two really good tight ends. They're going to be good at tight end. Um, Their offensive line is good. Their defense is going to be better, but they just have to find consistency in the passing game. Otherwise, it's going to be more of the same. But if they can get that balance, they're going to be an issue in the the MEAC because how they play defense, because of what they can do running football. By the way, talking about reacting in the booth, you can as long as you keep talking normally instead of reacting with ooh. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. Well, did you see? Well, did you see the, the the catch? I think it was Texas Tech. Yeah, the, week, I heard and about it. They show the booth and the the, the, the color commentators is like, what? <laughs> what did I just see? Like it, it was one of those moments. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I, I don't know what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're grabbing each other in the booth. They're trying not to lose the composure. So you can do that. Just no sound effects. It was it was almost an, an instant reaction of how great of a play it was. It was like the perfect hit. It was, it was one of those ooh exactly. kind of a moment. Okay, I, I can see your point, but still, well played to keep your composure in the booth. Nicely done. So let's let's talk about this now. We're into week two now. Some could say in week one, you know nothing. We forgot to talk about Villanova Temple. I'm getting to that if you would let me go. Hey, I didn't. I, I, <laughs> I can't see what you got written down over there. I told you this before we started recording, Amory. <laughs> Jeez. But some some would say week one, you can't tell a lot. Right. Because it is a one-week thing. You've prepared all summer the whole nine yards. Some would say, though, you learn a lot about a team in week one. So let's talk about some of these teams. Are, is this a for real thing? Or is it an aberration? And we're going to start with those Villanova Wildcats. A 19-17 win over Temple. Now, we've said, we've said about Villanova, they're coming back with, from a lot of injuries last year. This is a rivalry game, in-city rivalry game with Temple. Is this just a rivalry hype game? Or is Villanova proving that they are the real deal and they're a force to be reckoned with? You know what was interesting about this game? Um, you know, I was at this game, obviously. I was more amazed at how Villanova dominated the line of scrimmage. Yes. Here's what I came in looking for. I came in looking for, you know, I have like a list of players that I'm scouting. Right. I came in looking for the running back, uh, Ryquel Armstead for Temple, who has been phenomenal his whole career. He's a senior now. I got to the point in my notes, I was like, well, I can't get anything from this game because they couldn't really run the ball. (laughs) And so they dominated the defensive front, from a defensive front, 
on the offensive side, their running back, Aaron Forbes, had a phenomenal day because the offensive line of Villanova was whipping Temple's defensive front outside of Sharif Finch, who's going to, I'm sorry, Quincy Roach, who's going to be a problem. Um, This dude blocked two field goals in that game for Temple and found (laughs) ways. He was the only one that was disruptive. So he's going to be a pro player, and he's a sophomore. But outside of Quincy Roach, Villanova dominated the line of scrimmage. They could have run the ball all day if they wanted to. And Zach Bignarzik made two miraculous plays, two miracle plays where he had to – one was on fourth down where he found the guy in the end zone for a touchdown. Another one was where he was able to spin out of um, pressure and complete the pass for a big key first down. So they got good play from Bignarzik. They got great running from Forbes in that offensive line just was beating up Temple up front. And on defense, man – they shut. They made Temple one-dimensional, and then when Temple was one-dimensional, they started to throw the football, and they were able to pick off passes, and the linebacker, uh, Steep, was able to pick off a key pass late to really put the game away. I mean, again, we talked about this. Villanova came into this game number 12 in the FCS stats poll. Yes. A lot of people kind of looked at them and were like, I'm not really sure. You know, they, they had a good year last year, but they weren't anything special. You know, maybe they had a couple injuries. I think they shut out, shut up a lot of people with that game, and now we got to see, obviously, where it goes from here. But villain again, this is a CAA that's looking more and more murky as to who could be the power players in this conference. Villanova there with a nice statement win. I'm going to move to another team though. I would say they're so I say they are real, not an average. You, you think they're real? Okay, I I would agree with that one. And let's talk about this team, and we we've hyped them up bef- as we were doing our previews. North Alabama. Moves up from D2. They're an FCS independent. They're moving to the Big South next year, I believe. They start their season off. This is a team that's got a pretty hard schedule. They've got, you know, right. they've got a D2, part D2 schedule, which are, I guess, some of the toughest teams in the Division II level. And then they've got some pretty tough games, and it started right out of the bat. Southern Utah this week, who was a playoff team last year, and North Alabama goes to Utah and wins 34-30 in the altitude. This team has got to be for real, and what a game by Christian Lopez. This young man with four touchdowns by himself, the Big South in a couple years, they could be in a lot of trouble. I mean, we talked about this in our preseason uh, preview show. First of all, they're in a great spot to recruit. Yep. So they're going to have talent. They were a Division II power, so this wasn't a bad team moving up. And defensively, they are a talented bunch. They have a really good receiver. Really good safety. Both guys are on the senior bowl watch list, or the safety is on the senior bowl watch list. Um, so this wasn't a bad team, and I thought they matched up stylistically to Southern Utah. Actually, this was my, my upset in, during the preview show. See, this uh, is why you got to watch the videos. Got to watch the videos. I had North Alabama win that game because I thought they were a little bit more stable at quarterback than Southern Utah, who's breaking in a new quarterback. And shout out to North Alabama because – they went up there and played well. You know, each game you feel you're you're going to face some adversity. It's able to fight through that, win the game against a, a very good Big Sky opponent, which sets the table for another big game this week um, in the state of Alabama as they play Alabama A&M, who also had an impressive opening. And I, uh, I want to highlight, too, again, Christian Lopez, 350 yards passing, also ran for 105. So... That's good. Dexter Boykin, eight catches for 135 and two touchdowns. He was very impressive. As I said, the Big South in a couple years, that could be a three-team division between them, Monmouth, and Kennesaw. I would say they are – I don't want to say they're they're an aberration, but I'm teetering toward real. So I would say I'm still on the fence. On the fence so far. And I would agree with that. I mean, you're moving up a level. Let's see what else they can do. Right. This is week one. Right, exactly. Let's talk about. What, do you have any other teams that you have to uh, Prairie View. highlight here? Yes. Are they real, or it's, or what have, or what we've seen is an aberration? When you look at the two games, they're one and one. Week week zero, they could have beaten Rice. It, that, that game went down to they the wire. They should have beaten. They Rice. should have beaten Rice. This past Sunday, I mean, the way they were able to dominate that North Carolina Central game. Yeah. I mean, they they wipe the floor with Central. You talk about Eric Dooley's impact on that football team. Exactly. And what he has been able to do uh, with that squad. DeWanya Tucker running for over 260 yards on the ground. 
Yeah. Size is not a skill. <laughs> five, six, 175, just tearing up Central's good defense. And they do have a good defense. Exactly. They made them look amateur. So, and we saw this against Rice. They were able to score at will against Rice. Yeah. So, I'm going to say that they are real. They are a serious player in the SWAC. We both said that the SWAC West could become a three-team division this year. Grambling and Southern, Prairie View working their way in. They've not just worked their way in. They've kicked the door down. And if Grambling and Southern aren't careful in those games coming up, they might find themselves out on their butts outside on the doormat. Jalen Martin was an outstanding uh, find for them uh, as their quarterback. You know, we talked about uh, Nico Hollins transferring out. He was a starter last right. year, played well. Jalen Morton looks like a legit prospect throwing the football. He has tremendous poise, very good arm, and with the way they are able to stretch the field with their receiving core, all their receivers can make plays, and now you spread the field. You have DeWanya Tucker able to run through open lanes. This offense looks scary. It does. Another offense looks scary, Northern Arizona. Now again, this was a team that kind of came out of nowhere last year in the big sky, had a very, very good season. A lot of people were wondering, okay, is this a one-off? You know, maybe they're, you know, they'll still be good, but are they going to be good enough to be a playoff team? They beat UTEP 30-10. to Now, UTEP is not a great program. They're, they are a struggling program in the FBS. They probably should be an FCS program, UTEP, for, in, in my personal opinion. Okay. I think they should move down. But Northern Arizona, I mean, we talked about Case Cookus. Emmanuel Butler is going to be a stud this season for them. And the Lumberjacks are right there with anybody in the big sky. This is what they missed last year. They had Elijah Marks, and they were supposed to have Emmanuel Butler, but he was injured, so he missed virtually the entire season. So you have one of the biggest, best receivers back. He had a Sports Center top 10 play, a one handed reception. Yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of Case Cookus. And he's one that's going to be, you know, he's a junior. But next year, he's going to get a lot of NFL attention. Butler is going to be an NFL draftee this yeah. year, in my opinion. Uh, 6'3", 220. They were favored in this game. Yeah. So this is not an upset. And this was a game that I picked Northern Arizona to win because of that reason. It's like UTEP is just, you know, they, they, went, they have spurts of where they can have success. Yeah. You know, where they have a good offense. We just saw it. It's just tough. See. They're in El Paso. They're closer to Los Angeles than they are to Houston. Yeah. You know, and so um, their recruiting base is different. You know, people think Texas and think everybody in the state of Texas. Yeah, they're closer to New Mexico. Exactly. They're on the border of Mexico and New Mexico. So, yes, El Paso is like basically, you know. So unless they can find some dudes from Mexico City that want to play football instead of football, <laughs> they, they, they might be in a little trouble. Right. And so that, so I, I look at this game, and this was the reason why I had Northern Arizona as my Big Sky champion. I think offensively they're going to be so outstanding. Their defense was good last year. Offensively they got, they've got they gotten their pieces back. Cookers is going to be in play for the Walter Payton Award. And you got to love what you saw this past weekend, like you mentioned, out of Butler. I would also throw in – so I think they're real. I think they're real. See, for me, with Northern Arizona, I know they're good. With how UTEP is, I don't know how much we learned about them in this first week. They're still an FBS program with 85 scholarships. I know that, but that doesn't seem to matter. Remember, it's Division One, But this is a team that, in UTEP, where, it, it, again, it, this is a game they probably should have won, Northern Arizona. It, right. It, this is one of the few times you look at the schedule, oh, FBS team, yeah, they'll win that game. And it's not like they might win that game, it's... Yeah, they're winning that game. Right. So I want to see what Northern Arizona can do once they get into conference play. Give them a couple couple more weeks. I think they're real. I'm on the fence a little bit there. Let's go on to the next one here. I'll look at this one because they played each other last week. Who's real and what's the aberration? Lafayette, Sacred Heart. Mm. Sacred Heart blew out Lafayette. Now, Lafayette came in with a lot of fanfare, obviously. Uh, yep. because of how they played last year um, and how they finished the season. Sacred Heart was an unknown coming into this year. You kind of thought they would be middle of the pack, a team to watch. This game, this score was shocking to me. Yeah. So I'll ask you, who's real and and what's the aberration? Is what we saw from Lafayette real or is what we saw from Sacred Heart real? See, I think they're both real. Ah. I think Lafayette is good, but when you're facing a team that actually has a defense, they're going to struggle. Now, again, True. the Patriot League last year, defense was optional <laughs> for most for a good portion of it, especially right. when you're playing Lehigh. But 
You look, let's move on to Sacred Heart. Talk about a nice little, comp, very evenly distributed offense. You had Duke throwing for 146 yards, but two scores. But then you had a 100-yard rusher and Meacham running for 132. By the way, no touchdowns, so he's going to just be he's going to be losing his mind. The rest yeah. of the way. Oh, you got you got all these yards, no touchdowns, boy. No, <laughs> right, right. Chestnut just walks in, 15 carries, uh, 12 carries, 57 yards, two scores. Thank you. I'll take this <laughs> right. one. But Sacred Heart was very, very well balanced. Um, I think O'Neal is going to be a big piece for them. Nine catches for over 100 yards. Um, but Lafayette, again, O'Malley is young. He's going into his sophomore season as a true sophomore. True sophomore, right. I mean, he still threw 12 for 22, which is not bad. He threw two picks. That is bad. That's the bad part. So, I mean, the accuracy, I think, is there. Obviously, they gave Northrop a few touches of the ball later in the game. So, we'll see what Lafayette does over the next couple of weeks. But they play anybody with any kind of defense, they might be in a bit of trouble again this season. Well, they're, you're right. Their defense was good last year. They just didn't have any offense. And you hope that hasn't carried over into this year. Now, yeah. speaking of offense, this yeah. was a, a team that didn't have any offense. They were all defense, but they put up 39 points this past weekend, and that was the Georgetown Hoyas. Is mm-hmm. their offense real, or is it an aberration? I think Georgetown's for real. I really do. Again, this is a team that did not have much last year, but as you said, their defense was very, very good. Defense is special teams. Defense was was solid last season. They had a lot of pieces coming back. The question was going to be that offense. They've proved uh, very similar to what we saw from um, UC Davis. Right. Is where was the offense going to come from? In UC Davis's case, it was what do you have outside of Meyer to Doss? With Georgetown, it was what do you have? <laughs> it was going up to the, like they go over to the Chinese restaurant where like you're going to Chinatown and there's nothing in English and you're like, what do you have? I don't know I need what pictures. I need pictures. It looks delicious. It smells amazing. What is it? I don't know what it is. That's what it really was with Georgetown. You didn't really know where the offense was going to come from. You figured they had to have some coming out of that area, but they really shocked me. I mean, they, they, that was one of those games where you're like, okay, thirty something Georgetown. George, wait, George, that Georgetown? I was like, is there a D two Georgetown that's put up thirty? No, <laughs> well, there, 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 there's an NA, there's two NAIA Georgetown. Only you would know this. Well, <laughs> anyway, but no, I think Georgetown's for real. I think they're off. I hope so because I have their game this weekend um, against Campbell. Now, when they scheduled this, Campbell was a pioneer team. Oh, we can get a nice easy win against non-scholarship football. Now, uh-huh. <laughs> this is a different Campbell team. So I hope for Georgetown's sake, their offense is real and not an aberration. Because doing all the games last year, the offense, it was brutal to watch. It was yeah. a lot of 13-9 games. You're saying you could have suited up again and made an improvement? I had a good – I, I could have given Coach Scarlotta a good 80 yards at least. <laughs> before your back gave exactly, out. Exactly, before my knees gave out. One more team before we go into our break, and let's talk about – the team that we were we liked in the Southland, Nichols. Now again, what can you talk about when they're playing a team like Kansas? But that's a Big Five conference school. There yes. is a difference there. They win 26-23 in overtime. Chase 4K looking solid again. Nichols. Are they going to ch- I mean, we both picked McNeese to be the dominant team in the Southland. But as you said, Central Arkansas looked decent this past week. Now Nichols comes along beats an FBS program. It's wide open again. And they didn't beat a, you know, just an FBS program. They beat a Power 5, like you mentioned. And the, the funny part is, you know, they actually looked better than Kansas. You yeah. know how you see some, let's say, for instance, A&T knocks off East Carolina. And not to take anything away from A&T, but East Carolina kind of looked like the better team. A&T made plays and they won. In this game, Nichols looked like the Big 12 team. Yes. Yep. And which is weird because they could have a situation with the game they have this week against Tulane, mm-hmm. which could be another one. And that's a local game. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're only 45 minutes from New Orleans. Um, now, we hope everything is all right down there with the pending hurricane. Yes, indeed. Uh, that game is going to be one to monitor from a weather standpoint. Um, but my goodness, I think Nichols are for real. We both had them making the playoffs again. Right. Now, with the dominant way they played and with the way we saw McNeese go up to northern Colorado. Had some trouble with that game, though, by the way. Northern Colorado. They did. 
They did, but McNeese's defense stepped up. Um, that's going to make things very interesting in the Southland Conference. I think Nichols is for real. And, again, you add into that Central Arkansas they lost, had a very good game, and Sam Houston still hasn't played yet. They have an intriguing matchup this week. This uh, The Southland is going to become the Wild Wild West once again. They have to be play. Wide open. They play Prairie View. Oh, please. Now, Prairie View had that game close last year. If, if Prairie View starts 2-1 and one and should have been 3-0. and oh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Let, let's 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 say they beat Sam Houston, right? Yeah. And they go on and and uh, finish one game short of the swag. So let's say they lose to Grambling. So they're sitting there at nine oh, and two. You know I'm going with this, right? Committee, please do something right. For you got it. They got to get in. They got <laughs> to get in. They got to get in. Folks, we'll be back. We'll be coming back uh, after this break. We'll be talking about what we got right and wrong from week one. And for me, that was plenty. Uh, We'll also talk about the the week two matchups coming up. And what headline will we see come Sunday after week two? We got plenty more to talk about. And what was a busy week one in the FCS? Stay with us. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 19- Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassig in here with the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Again, folks, you can listen back to all of our podcasts from week one all the way through our preview show on SoundCloud and iTunes search football game plan in the podcast section. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com. Emery's always got great content going up on the website. And don't forget to go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all the videos. And you would have known that Northern Arizona was going to win their game last week Absolutely. if you had listened to the video. That's all I'm saying. Watch the videos. They're, they're informative. They're just like this. They're just informative, just without me. Which could be a, which could be a benefit or a detriment. That's why people that's, watch them. That's up to you. It's either a detriment or it's a positive. Depending on how you feel about me, I really don't care. Anyway, folks, let's move on into the second half of the show. And let's talk about what we got right and wrong, Emery. Because we, uh, we made a lot of bold statements going into week one. Um, I mean, I was certainly right with UMaine over UNH. We talked about that. We were both wrong, though, about JMU against NC State. This is a game we thought JMU might have a chance to win this one considering what they've done in the past with Virginia Tech and Virginia. NC State, though, coming out easily on top. Well, I think we we had that game um, pegged as an upset watch, although I picked NC State to win. Um, The one game I thought was was shocking that I thought would be closer. I thought... Elon would, would keep things close against South Florida. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they went out and lost 34-14. And we saw a couple of Division two programs give some teams fits. Tuskegee yeah. took Alabama State to overtime. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a me. You know. <laughs> but I would say I what we were right about or what I was right about, Northern Arizona. Yeah. Um Southeastern Louisiana, that was my upset pick. I picked them to win that game. They didn't, so I was wrong about that. But I was right about that game. Would have been closer than people thought because, to me, those teams are very similar in style. Yes. And I thought that game would be close. I think we were both right about Grambling and Louisiana. Yes, we were both right on that one. Um, Grambling, certainly, they put on a decent performance. 
But the Raging Cajuns, I mean, just a little bit too much. I mean, there was you, you could tell there was a class difference there. Yeah, Regis, the, the running back, is a bull of a back. And I think we were also right, too, about Montana. They quietly defeated number 13 Northern Iowa 26-23 this week. And it was talk about a tale of two halves. Montana shut down Northern Iowa in the first half. Northern Iowa shut out Montana in the second half. They just happened to get a few more points on the board. So Montana, though, again, Sneed in, at the quarterback could make things interesting when they play uh, Montana State. I think this game we'll probably see again. You think so? I think these two, this was like a playoff game to me. And I, I really liked how they went out there and competed. And uh, very impressed. I was shocked that Iowa State and South Dakota State didn't just move the game to Sunday. Right? Come on. Like, seriously? <laughs> Were they ducking the Jackrabbits, you think? Oh, completely. <laughs> completely. Also, we were right in our prediction with North Dakota. Very solid first game. They defeated Missouri, uh, Mississippi Valley State 35-7. We talked about them. They might have a decent year as an independent. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. They're going to be moving into the Missouri Valley uh, soon, and they have to, you know, get the the schedule is always weird. But even though they won 35-7, shout out to Mississippi Valley. That's a game that Mississippi Valley usually loses 72-3. to <laughs> now, next week, well, this week they have North Dakota State. Mm. So things will change. Things will definitely change. For for Valley. But shout out to them for being competitive. And, again, I thought it was just a foregone conclusion. That's why I didn't even include them on my upset special list. But South Dakota. Yeah. That's Kansas State. That's Bill Snyder. That's offensive line, defensive line, run game. Should have won that game. Exactly. Should have won that game easily. Unbelievable. So that blew my mind. And Central Arkansas, Tulsa was another one that I just assumed Tulsa was going to, you know, win easily. But Central Arkansas, you know. Blew our minds. Yeah. I mean, so there were some <laughs> things we were right about, things we were wrong about. You know, Eastern Washington handily over Central Washington. That wasn't a problem. Definitely was wrong about Northern Colorado. They yeah. pulled off the, they could have pulled off the upset. Yep, definitely. And and we talked about them being a fly in the ointment. Yep. For a team, I mean, well, you did. I didn't have much faith in them. I, I will admit that wholeheartedly. But let's get into week two now. And I'm going to go into a different segment here. And I'm going to have, I'm going to produce four games, four or five games for you every week. Okay. And I want your opinions on what we're going to be able to do. We're going to have the telling game, a game that we're going to be able to tell a lot about the two teams involved, the trap game, the unsung game, maybe a game that people aren't looking at, and the best game of the week. The telling game coming into week two, and this is an intriguing one. Number 24, Stony Brook, is at home hosting Bryant. Ooh. It's a, this one, now we've talked about Bryant. They've gone up very steadily as a program. Stony Brook was a surprise team out of the CAA last year, and we've seen now how open this CAA could be in 2018. What are we going to... This game is going to tell a lot about the direction of both programs. It's going to tell a lot about what we can expect moving forward. You're right. Because Stony Brook got shut out last week by Air Force. Right. And, and granted, option team, Air Force, you know, that's going to be tough. But can Carbone build on what he did last year? Yes. Bryant's yes. defense, can they be stout? They can't have shootout Saturday every weekend. No. So... You're right. This is going to be a telling game for uh, for both teams. I would uh, under that category. I would throw in Valparaiso at Duquesne. Duquesne yeah. is known Duquesne. as the big dog on the block. Yeah. Valpo is trying to fight their way up the Pioneer League standings. Yep. This is telling for Duquesne because After what happened last year. Right. So let's move on to the trap game. You mentioned Northern Colorado. <laughs> they are at number 23, South Dakota. Now, this is why, again, you're coming off a big game against Kansas State. South Dakota goes 0-1 and somehow moves into the top 25 in FCS stats. I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> um, but this is a game, again, from what we saw from Northern Colorado last week, this is a game with Weber State away in week three. This is might be a trap game for South Dakota. I really think it is. I could definitely see that. That's a good pick. I can I can see that being the trap game because you're you know you're down from you know you should have beaten the FBS team. Uh, you know you need to be downtrodden or angry, but then you also have 
a big conference game against Weber in week three away. I think this is a game they might be sleeping on at the first home game of the year. That's all I'm saying. I, I can see. I have no counter for that one. I could, I could definitely see that as being the trap game. Now, the unsung game of the week. Number 12, Villanova, coming off a massive win over Temple at Lehigh. East Coast football is weird. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right. We know what Lehigh can do offensively, but we know what Villanova brings to the table defensively. This is going to be a very, very interesting matchup to watch. Defense versus offense. But is, is Villanova as good in the secondary as they are in the first level? You know, that's a good, that's a good point. That's the question. That's the question because see. they had some opportunities, Temple did, to really make big plays downfield. The quarterback just didn't go the, the way of, right. of Vintel Bryant, who was able to beat his guy easily. Right. You know, but the safety play with Rob Roll now being back, you could tell he was still trying to get used to being right. back out, out there active, knee injury and stuff like that. So as each game moves on, he'll get better and better. Brad Mays didn't start the game last week because of um, because of a academic issue. Right. So he came in in the second quarter and then played well. So now you should you you would expect Brad Mays to be out there for the full four quarters. Brad alone scored three touchdowns last week. This is going to be a great game. This sh- probably should be the game of the week. Um, but I will give another unsung. Uh, vote to the team we love to rag on, the situation we love to rag on. Yeah. Hampton and Monmouth. <laughs> so oh, Hampton. Hampton and Monmouth really laid an egg last week. Yes, they did. We yes, were, they did. I was wrong about Monmouth. I thought they would keep that one competitive. I thought Eastern Michigan's defense would, would be the reason why they win, which was true, but I didn't think they were going to be dominant like they were against yeah. Monmouth. Yeah. Now Monmouth is in a situation where this is a huge pivotal game. Yeah, it is. They have to beat Hampton. Hampton is good. Hampton is good. They got, they got a win in week one against Shaw, I believe. And he should have won last year. Should have won this game last year. I think, did it go to overtime or was it just short of overtime? Just short of just overtime. Just short of overtime. And again, Kennesaw, they lost week one. So they're going to be a bit angry too. They got a game against Tennessee Tech. So that's another one that's going to be like, interesting, Wait, to, interesting to watch. You know. Best game of the week though, for me, I had Furman versus Elon. That was going to be my game of the week. Really? Until Northern Arizona just beat the brakes off UTEP. Northern Arizona hosting Eastern Washington. That's a pivotal game in the big sky. Yeah, I agree with you. That's to me, you can go you couldn't you can go either way with Furman, Elon, Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona. I think that's the one because both are undefeated. And right. a lot of people are high on Eastern Washington. Uh, I had them finishing second in the big sky. Right. Northern Arizona I had finishing first. So this would be my championship game, so to speak, yeah. in the big sky. So I would agree with you there. That, to me, looks like the biggest game of the weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about some of the other games, though. There are some very intriguing ones, and let's start with the Montana Grizzlies. They got a win in week one. They're up to number 14 in the polls. They're hosting Drake. Now, again, on paper, it's the Pioneer League. It looks dumb. We have nothing to worry about. Youngstown State would tell you you have something to worry about. And Drake, arguably, is a better team than Butler. They had a very good season last year, finishing second in the Pioneer behind San Diego. Montana could be sleeping on the Bears being going into hibernation early. And Drake had their game canceled last week, their tune-up game. Right. And so now now they're angry. They're angry. (laughs) And to be honest, Drake may have the better quarterback in this game, too. Ooh, that's a little shot across the bow. Pro prospect as well. So interesting. I think interesting. on on paper, this looks like a blowout waiting to happen, right? Right. However, Drake is in the conversation for, you know, they could be the Pioneer League represent representative in the playoff. Yeah, it's going to come down to San Diego, them, and also maybe one other team. Uh, hell, now Butler. Here's know, the thing: if if Butler or Drake go on a good run, I mean, we saw what Butler can do. If Drake wins this game. Could we be looking at a two bid, two bids out of the Pioneer? Uh, you, you know, we, talk about the upset of upsets. Exactly Actually, right. Two, oh, could we see two teams out of the OVC? Maybe two teams out of this guy. Two from the Pioneer would be unheard of. That would be unthinkable. I mean, and this doesn't seem like that far fetched. No, Drake has offense now. Montana has defense. Josh Buss is a phenomenal linebacker, pro prospect, but. I agree with you. This game is going to be intriguing to watch because of 
the potential of the chaos that we just saw last week yeah. with Butler and Youngstown State. Now, you sent me this second game, and I thought it was a misprint for a second because I, I, I can't see any way that this game is going to be entertaining, intriguing, defining. North Carolina A&T, which, by the way, are now number five in the FCS stats poll and got more first-place votes than JMU in the FCS stats poll. Something to consider, Miak, when you turn, talk about the celebration ball, just saying. They're hosting the running Bulldogs of Gardner-Webb. Now, Gardner-Webb did win last week. Fair, you know, fair play. Good job. Well done. There's no way they're going to trouble North Carolina A&T. Here is the reason why this game is intriguing to me. Because when you look at A&T and their two victories, right? Jacksonville State, East Carolina. Right. Right? They have been penalty-filled, mistake-written, <laughs> yeah. just bonehead after bonehead play on defense. Right? Very good defense. Very good defense. But, but. just at all the mistakes and penalties, yet they found a way to win both games. This is the type of game that, okay, maybe they can fix their mistakes and get their offense going, but quietly their offense hasn't been what we expected it to be. So is this the game where you think this, if we're going this to could be a this, trap game? Could this be a trap? Or is this the game where they start to really kick it into gear? And it say, can okay. go either way. I think it can go either way, but this is a game that they can't have three straight contests of undisciplined play. Yeah, that, would, that I agree with. I think going into MEAC play, that's not going to bowl well for them. No. This game, to me, is going to be interesting. And, and if they're not careful, Gardner-Webb could win this game. Well, I mean, Gardner-Webb did win week one, 52-17. They also played Limestone College. Well, so, <laughs> I think I think well, you're, uh, There you go. And yeah. I'll tell you what, this is a rough stretch coming up for uh, for Gardner-Webb. Because after the North Carolina NT, they take on Western Carolina. Then they're at Appalachian State. And then they're home with Wofford. That is a rough yeah, stretch for the running ball. It's a good thing they got their win out of the way now. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a very rough stretch um, for Gardner-Webb. Let's move on to another one. And this one, can we say upset special? Montana State at South Dakota State. Now, again, South Dakota State, as you said, their first game was at least postponed, if not maybe canceled. So we'll have to see how that plays into the committee's findings later on in the year with one less game on their schedule if they don't make it up. But Montana State looked solid again. They were a good team last year. They've built on that with a different quarterback. Montana State has a chance in this game. They do. And now we have a, a quarterback duel in this game because we get to see Taron Christian for the first time this year, right. who's a preseason favorite for the Walter Payton Award, or one of the favorites for the Walter Payton Award. Like you said, their game was canceled last week. And Montana State coming off with an impressive win. Right. And South Dakota State, they're going to be, again, when you lose that first game, are you more frustrated, angry? You're more angry because you had you, that's you want what to hit you, somebody. You practice all summer for this one doggone game. You game plan all summer. <laughs> From spring ball to through summer camp, all you've been doing is prepping for your opener. Right. So to have that canceled, it's like, man, we did all that work for nothing. Let's move on to the next game on the schedule here. And I, I mentioned South Dakota against Northern Colorado being right. kind of a trap game. This one's right there with it. Weber State at Cal Poly. Ooh. For two reasons. Number one, you're on the road. Number two, it's option football. Right. So, does Weber State, looking ahead into that big contest in a couple weeks, do they lose this game to Cal Poly? It's possible. I mean, you got the Joe Prothrow effect. Exactly. And I love Alex Spano Stadium. The, the grass there is, is phenomenal. It's like it, it, it's conducive to playing a slow game. Right. So it kind of helps. It's, it kind of gives them a, a bit of a home field advantage yeah. uh, when you think about it. So I think from you know it, it, the fact that this is another big game in the big sky, you're right. So it could get out of hand. It could be it could be interesting. I just feel like this is one of those games where it'll be too tough to call. It can go either way. Right. I, I wouldn't know. I mean I, I know I, I would probably lean one way or the other. 
I, I would lean Weber State. That's me. I know you're probably going to say this in your video, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let it slide. Oh, actually, I don't have that on my video. So yeah, I I do believe Weber State wins this game. There you go. Yeah, I, I think Weber State will do as well. But again, against an option team, things can get complicated in a hurry if you don't put up points every possession. Yeah. So at least these from Weber. Last game on the schedule, we mentioned this briefly. Kennesaw State taking on Tennessee Tech now. We know what Kennesaw did last year. We know what they're capable of. They lost week one. Uh, In a game they should have won. In a game they should have won to give them the credit that they deserve. But this this is an interesting game because Tennessee Tech is not to be slept on if you're a Kennesaw. And again, we talked about Monmouth slipping. Kennesaw could easily slip here too. Yeah, because this is one of those situations where you could let one loss become two. Right. You know, where you you have the hangover from the previous week of, man, we should have beaten Georgia State. Yep. And a, that game was huge considering it was you know, the first game of the season, FBS opponent in the state of Georgia, 25 miles south of, of Kennesaw State. You know, So there was a lot riding on that game. Right. And to play a team that on paper you should be able to beat naturally makes it for an intriguing matchup. I think we'll see Kennesaw take care of business, though. I think, I think so, too. But, again, as you talked about, with Monmouth slipping, they have that tough game with Hampton. Kennesaw can't look at this as a gimme. Right. Thinking, oh, Monmouth is, is about to go to 0-2. We can easily go through this game and move on. Who do they have next week? Kennesaw. For Kennesaw State, it, it's they got Alabama State next week. See, that's another interesting matchup. It's an interesting one. And then they're home with – they got four straight home games, by the way. They got Alabama State. Then they have Clark Atlanta. That's a win. Samford. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. And then Presbyterian. Again, you never sleep you on the blue hoax. You can't sleep on the blue hoax. But Sanford, again, that game with Sanford in a couple weeks' time, you you could, if they don't win this Tennessee Tech game, they could look, you know, forget looking past to next week. They could look two weeks in advance. They might be looking right over Alabama State and Clark Atlanta. Oh, they could. Oh, wow. Right. You, yeah. But Alabama State, that's a team you can't sleep on either. They got good defense, and they got an offensive lineman in Titus Howard who only gave up one sack last year. Like, And, and I, I know what we said in – you know, in the big preview show where this is going to be a two-bid league. We we both thought that. We both thought right. Kennesaw and Monmouth were both going to make the playoffs. If these teams, if Monmouth and Kennesaw aren't careful, they could be fighting out to see who the one team is. If Monmouth starts 0-2. And so does Kennesaw? Yeah. Meanwhile, Campbell is sitting there thinking, so you're saying there's a chance. I will say this though. Shout out to Kennesaw's receiver Justin Sumter, who is yes. a pro prospect. He had he had his day in the sun last week against Georgia State. And Chandler Brooks again, another solid performance in week one. We'll see how they rebound in week two. But again, two straight road games to start the season. A little bit difficult as well. Uh you want to get a little bit of home cooking in you, but they got four games in a row, so that'll that'll certainly help. What is our headline going into next week, Henry? Week two is over. We've looked into the future. We're preparing for week three. What is the headline? That we are going to see. We were both a little bit off on this one. I said, <laughs> I said Richmond was going to be UVA, and there was going to be a coach fired potentially. But what do we see? For yeah, me? you went off the deep end. Right? <laughs> I did. First of all, I did not call for him to be fired. I said that <laughs> is probably what's going to happen because that's the FBS, and that's how it goes. But what is the headline going into week three? All right, let's 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 get creative. Okay. And this is this this may be a bit of a shock. The juices are flowing here, folks. I know because I'm I'm thinking, <laughs> I I want to call this upset, but I oh, won't. No. I'm not gonna do it. I'm I'm not gonna call the upset. Oh, come on! I will say this. Show some cojones. Let's go. I will say I will say this. The Villanova Lehigh game will get into the fifties. <laughs> the basketball I, store continues. Right. I, I think will I, I think the headline will be. Um, battle or uh, I don't. It can't be blowout. It can't be. So I'm trying to find the right alliteration because Lehigh is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right. So I don't know what's a what's a what's a synonym for you know a lot of points. Because uh, I, 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 I can't Beth- say shootout in Bethlehem. Bethlehem battle. Battle in Bethlehem. You know, a lot of bullets fly in Bethlehem. I guess I don't know, but I think that's going to be the story. The the Villanova Lehigh game will be the best game of what we'll look back and say, "Wow, that was the best game of the weekend." Okay, I w- I would I I like where you're going with that one. I'm going to go. 
for one a little close to home for you. The state of New Orleans belongs to Nichols. Wow. I think Nichols goes to Tulane, goes to the state of New Orleans. I like how you put the state of New Orleans. And gets the W to go 2-0. Oh. Wow. I think Tulane, I mean, again, FBS opponent, but that doesn't matter. We've seen that. It doesn't matter when you have teams that are near the bottom of the FPS. So, Nichols pulls the shock and beats Tulane to go 2-0. Oh. Here's another one. Here's a couple games that I, that I think people need to keep an eye on. Towson at Wake Forest. I watched that Wake mm. Forest-Tulane game, mm. and Tulane's defense was giving Wake Forest some fits, uh, and I think Towson's defense – can do the same. Wake Forest has a, a, a true freshman quarterback that played well against Tulane. Towson's quarterback, Flacco, has FBS experience. Shane Simpson, um, the running back, and I like what they have on the perimeter. I think that game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Holy Cross Boston College. The rivalry renewed. Exactly. I think that's going to be just an entertaining game to watch because of the historic factor. Boston College looks really strong this year. They dismantled yes. UMass last week. I think they, they'll beat Holy Cross, but that's a game that, from a historic standpoint, should be uh, fun to watch. It launches and, the spark again. Yeah, and, and you know what else? You know what I was going to say uh, when I was paused for a long time? Uh-huh. Keep an eye on that Florida A&M-Troy game. You know what? I'm not, I'm not totally shocked by that either. Florida A&M looked very good in that first matchup. And Troy is normally your... Troy and Arkansas State are normally Sunbelt, yeah. yeah they're normally the, the two stronger teams. Shout out to my region Cajuns, but Troy and Arkansas State are usually yeah. the two strongest teams. They showed a lot of leakage uh, last week, mm-hmm. and I think Florida A and M with Willie Simmons and that offense and his ability to put people in a position to be successful, that game could be interesting. Two games to watch on the West Coast as well. I'm just going to throw these in here before I do my last shout out: San Diego against UC Davis. That game could... Do you talk about games that could end up in the 50s? I agree. That game could end up in the 60s That's with the offenses. That's a game where we could be looking at this upcoming week and say, uh, you know, the next week's show and say, wow, San Diego really knocked off UC Davis. Back-to-back upsets for the Pioneer. You could have two big wins in the Pioneer in week two with three on the season two weeks in. That's what I'm saying. That's a great game. That's a great pick. And Oregon State, they're the running joke of the Pac-12. True. They're hosting Southern Utah, who are coming off that loss to the new boys on the block. They're not going to be happy. I'm just saying. <laughs> Talk about upset alert. Maybe it's just because they don't like the color orange. Oregon State <laughs> might have some trouble with Southern Utah. That is, go- to me, the same case I made for North Alabama and Southern Utah. I'm going to make for Southern Utah and Oregon State. They are essentially the same team. Yeah. So I agree with you there as well. I think that one could be interesting. One last shout-out. I couldn't go week one without talking about my Springfield College pride. Had the rivalry game against Western New England, the cross-city rivalry, mm-hmm. and a massive win for Springfield. <laughs> I sent Emery the snapshots because he wouldn't believe me if I had just said it on air. <laughs> 42-21 over Western New England. Zero is the number of passing yards Springfield had in the win. We rushed for 445, but got to give a shout-out to Chad Shade, who might be a baseball draft pick by the time his career is done because he's a great center fielder, but he ran for 22 carries, 247, six touchdowns. Do the math, folks. He did all of them. Literally, he scored every touchdown. Zero passing yards. I think that's a phenomenal. (laughs) I mean, and he's coming out of the quarterback position. So I'm just saying, what a no on the year. Well done to to, uh, Shade there on that one. They come down to our neck of the woods to take on Keene next week, so... Wish I could come to that game, but I can't. Another game that, that uh, people should keep an eye on, I think it will be a telling game. SUNY Maritime? No, who do you, I got to find out. Who, <laughs> they, play, they actually play on. They play Friday. Um, Jacksonville and Mercer. Jacksonville mm. won big last week against St. Augustine's. I thought that game was going to be close, but Jacksonville blew them out, so I was wrong about that. Mercer, they, they have to. This That's is a, a must game. win for Mercer. Yeah, and again, if Jacksonville wins. The pioneer, the rise of the pioneer. Exactly, like it's going to be fun. Can you no imagine hot. if we get wins from the pioneer? Like, I mean, we get we have the upset in week one with Butler. Then you turn it around and you've and we get wins from Drake over Montana, San Diego, San Diego wins in week uh, over UC Davis, Jacksonville you, over Mercer. Oh, can you imagine? Like, what would people would malfunction? 
people would absolutely malfunction if this were to take place. You know what else is a trap game? I know we're going all over the place here, but <laughs> you know what else is a trap game? We're throwing the, it's, it's throwing too the, much here. It's too much information. Presbyterian at Austin P. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's one. You know, yeah. Austin P. Got shut out last week, right? Please show us that you're for real. We don't want to do all you this. You know, I'm not gonna hold the. F, they, they played Georgia. I'm not gonna hold the Georgia. True, game they were playing Georgia. But yeah. Presbyterian is a team that nobody can really blow out. Yeah. So this game will look weird. It, I, that's one we cannot sleep on. Before we go into any, you know, the entire rest of the schedule here, <laughs> exactly folks, right. from, I think we've talked about 60 <laughs> games. That'll do it for the Week 2 preview. Again, you can listen back on this podcast at any time on iTunes or SoundCloud. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Emery's going to have a couple videos coming out. This week, what do you what are you covering this week? Just the normal weekly preview on the actually. Week? Well, we have the, the the weekly previews. I'll talk a little bit about the Holy Cross uh, Boston College history right. in the video. Uh, we'll preview the games that I have written down here this weekend. I will be the color commentator for Georgetown Campbell on WatchStadium.com Patriot League Network, and after the game, I'll head down to Richmond to catch Richmond Fordham, which is a huge game. Especially for Richmond after week one. Yeah, and, and Fordham, too. Fordham lost their ball game. It, it was tight for a while, and then, you know, the, the, the other team pulled away. But from a pro prospect standpoint, you got two prospects for uh, Fordham, Dylan Maben, the corner, um, Isaiah Searight, the tight end, and Dejon Brissett for Richmond, the receiver, Andrew Clyde, the defensive lineman for Richmond. So there's going to be a lot of pro scouts at that game. So I'll I'll be at that game after I do my broadcast work with uh, Georgetown and Campbell. And as always, folks, go don't forget to go to FCS Stats yes. uh, for all your FCS coverage. Actually, a great article that just came out uh, talking about all the FCS players that are in the NFL. NFL Week One coming up. The rosters were announced. 160 FCS players have made the opening day rosters in the NFL. By the way, the team that has the most on their roster, the New York Jets. 12 FCS players out of 53. Do the math. So, well, again, you talk about all this coverage. Oh, why does the FCS matter? That's why it matters. They're making up 160 spots in the NFL in Week 1 in 2018. Go there, of course... If you have any problems with this podcast, as always, send it to Craig Haley at Craig Haley on Twitter. I don't think we had too much controversial though. This no, time no, around. no. I think we just, just excited. Just, just excited. We were amped. This was week one. It's yeah. week one. We've got some incredible stuff coming up for week two. Thanks again, folks, for listening in. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.